0: Welcome to another episode of PropCast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shinobola and Bimbala Hi, Bim.
1: Hey, Dami. How are you? I'm
0: good, thank you. And yourself?
1: Oh, I'm good. I'm... <laughs> I'm happier than usual.
0: <laughs> good, good, good.
1: I'm happier than usual. I think the last time we podcasted together... Um... The kids went back in school then, so the kids are back in school. You know, everything's coming back to normal. I'm looking forward to coming out of lockdown. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happier.
0: <laughs> cool. And you've, do, you've just done your usual, which is the timestamp, the podcast. So,
1: I've done my usual. Awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so, what are we doing today, Boom? What are we talking about?
1: Well, today we have a special guest with us, um, and I'm really excited about having this conversation with her. Um, so what we'll do is uh, we're going to just uh, we will we'll introduce our guest and then we'll just get straight into it. So today um, we've got Anne Halton with us. Anne is, in fact, let, let's go back, Dami, to how we, in fact, but let, let me go back to say that as we introduce Anne Halton, I actually go, it takes me back to when I actually met Dami, um, which is on the progressive course. So Anne is one of our, Anne was one of our trainers. Um, progressive training academy where we learn all things property Uh, so we heard Anne speak then and it's a privilege that now she's coming on our podcast and just going back to how this started so Anne obviously you're not aware of this but we came to progressive um, I, I attended progressive from a creative finance course this was, is it about two years ago, Demi? Uh,
0: 20, it must have been 2019. 2019,
1: yeah, yeah. it was 2019. Yeah. And it must have been earlier in the year or maybe mid-year, I think. It
0: would have been around it have been, May. It
1: was just after the summit. But yeah. right after the summit um, in London. So we came for the creative finance course and you were one of the, the speakers. And that was, it was on that same course that I met Dami, you know. So, I suppose in a way, you're part of our history, yeah. <laughs> But no, thank you. So, yeah, um, we had a great time at that course. Um, it was learned quite a, 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 a bit and um, pretty much trying to implement some of the learnings um, since then. So, Anne was one of the trainers. She delivered a really good session. Um, and then we just basically followed, followed her on her journey. And we basically are happy that you're here today. So, Anne, over to you. Maybe you want to introduce yourself to our speaker, to our guests.
2: Hi, everybody. So I'm Anne Holton. This 2021, we're speaking in early 2021, this is going to be my 20th year in property. So I've been in property for a very long time. but I've only really been doing property properly since I came to Progressive in 2014. So for the first 13 years that I was investing in property, I was making loads of mistakes. And I think one of the reasons that I um, work with Progressive so closely is they like to have people um, who work with them, who can help people to avoid the many mistakes that it is possible to make in property. Because property gives you um, an amazing uh, passive income, the strategy that I employ, and can give you, ability to create wealth for generations but it's also possible to lose many thousands of pounds if you're not doing it correctly so i'm there to sense check everything to help people to avoid the mistakes that i made i'm here to say that property is a fantastic uh, business that people should always be in even if they love their day job so whatever else you do in your life you absolutely should have a property portfolio that you can use either to replace your income or to act as an adjunct to your income if you really truly love what you do so yeah that's that's me I've got a portfolio of around 84 properties now so that allows me. It allows me to quit my job as a dentist. So I was a dentist for around thirty years. I'm not in the first flush of youth. So I was a dentist for thirty years, and I quit dentistry on the first of September two thousand and fifteen. And also, my husband Steve used to be a GP, and he quit GPing also in September two thousand and fifteen because. Once I found out about the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance strategy, I learned that's a progressive, we were able to uh, replace both of our six-figure salaries with the income from our property business um, just 16 months after you know discovering that strategy, which put our existing property portfolio onto TurboCharge. So that's a little bit about me. So I'm here to help with all things buy, refurbish, rent, refinance and uh, mistakes and thought processes around why you should consider property as a great wealth creation vehicle
0: wow awesome awesome so congratulations on your anniversary 20 years in property amazing amazing so and there's a couple of things that i want to pick up from your story in which you mentioned and um i guess first of all Is the fact that you were, you know, you had a, I would say, a successful career as a dentist. Your husband was a doctor, and um, you decided to go along this journey. A lot of people think that, you know, you come into property, it's a very, it's get rich quick. It's, you know, you're going to replace your income in six months and everything you're going to, you're going to have freedom and things like that. What would you say to people who are looking to get into property and maybe what it takes to actually replace your income and then to, to scale and thrive in, in the property industry?
2: Because people often accuse me, if you want to use that phrase, of already being okay. Um, I was very comfortably off. So we actually started investing in property or I did because my husband, Steve's not really involved in our property business at all. I started in 2001. So if I go back to 2001 and explain how we got into it, that might help. And then I'll expand on how I think it relates to other people, maybe considering quitting their job. So in 2001, my friends, Miles and Joe came for Sunday lunch. Now, Joe is a physiotherapist and Miles is the GP. And over Sunday lunch, they explained to Stephen, to me, that they had bought a little house near the station in Derby. And I was quite surprised by this because I knew nothing about property investing. And I quizzed them on why they had done that. I was especially intrigued because they had a beautiful, nice four-bedroom detached house in one of the really top school in the area's catchment areas. So they, they had secured, if you like, a house in, in the perfect catchment area to send their four kids to school there. So I was thinking, well, why would you want a tiny little house near the station in Derby in a not terribly nice area? And they explained to me that what they were gonna do is their plan for this property was to rent it out. And they were gonna get a 25 year repayment mortgage on this property. And the rent was gonna be more than the mortgage payments. And after 25 years, because the rent was more than the mortgage payments, they would have what they described to me as a free house. Mm. Now, Now, you've heard of the phrase light bulb moment, I'm sure. But for me, this wasn't a light bulb moment. This was like a thousand watt LED gone off in my head. And I thought, this is amazing. You know, it's somebody else. Over a 25-year period is paying down the mortgage. After 25 years, with no real input from me, I'm going to have a free house. Wow. Wow. So, this is a really good idea. They said, you should do it. So that's what I did. So I, I refinanced our own home. So the very next day, it was a Sunday. The one thing I do do in property, and I would think is to say is a very key attribute of every successful property investor that I know. So being Danny, everybody that I know who invests in property, we are all action takers. We don't let Moscow around our stone. We might fail forwards, but we constantly move forwards. Yes. So the first thing I did on that Monday was I contacted my independent financial advisor who's still with me to this day. And I explained that I wanted to finance, refinance our own home, pull out some money and use it to to buy property. So he got me some money. Now, this is where my property education could have been written on the back of, you know, what we used to call a fag packet. Now we call the back of an envelope. Buy a little house, rent it out, get a 25-year repayment mortgage on it. And in 25 years time, you'll have a free house, which we now know, anybody listening in who's thinking, why would you do that? That's not what you should do. But that's what my plan was. But even worse than that, I wasn't even allowed by Steve to put it on a mortgage because he was worried. He said, oh, what if interest rates go up? and oh, what if house prices crash? Let's just buy it for cash. Right. So we bought this house for cash. Okay. Now, and then instead of buying, say, taking one pot of money, and split it into four deposits because everybody listening and hopefully will realise that on a buy-to-let mortgage, the typical loan-to-value is 75% loan-to-value. So you put 25% into each house. So simple maths tells you with my one pot of money, which I could have bought one house, I could have bought four houses. So I would have had four houses going up instead of one house going up with capital growth. Okay, that that was the maths around that. So I was already doing it wrong. When eventually we did refinance the first tranche of properties that we bought a couple of years later because house prices did go up, then we put them on repayment mortgages, which is not what you should do. Because on a repayment mortgage, it's going to take 25 years to pay it off, whereas in reality, house prices go up and the inflation erodes the value of that debt. And also, what I now know, if you use the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance strategy, you can very quickly pull your money out. So how it works on buy, refurbish, rent, refinance is you buy a house, hopefully at a discount, but not always. You buy a house where you can either you buy at a discount or you can add value to it, or you see a value in it that other people don't recognize that you buy it maybe at the full asking price, but you recognize that by doing something to it, you can add significant value to it. Then you do this refurb on the property and you move a tenant in you rent it out and then very quickly you don't even have to wait six months so there is something in the uk called the six month rule or six month law which is not a rule or a law it's just something which is imposed by the majority of what i would call vanilla ordinary buy to let lenders in the uk which suggests that you need to wait six months after purchasing a property or refinancing a property before you can do that process again the reality is there are now many lenders that will allow you to refinance in less than six months. So the principle is you buy a property, you add value to it by doing a refurb, you then have move a tenant in, and then the property's worth significantly more. Then the mortgage company comes out and they give you 75% of the uplifted value, which allows you to pull uh, as much of your initial funds out as possible. In my area, we tend to leave a couple of thousand, maybe three, four thousand in, and I aim to get my money out within two years. In many areas of the UK, you can pull all of your money back out to go again in higher values of the areas of the UK, you might have to wait a little bit longer. But the principle is to pull as much out to go again. And that allows what we call momentum investing allows you to really build your portfolio very quickly. So I think the least I've left in a house is about 1600 pounds, which is paid off, you know, from rental income in significantly less than a year. So I've gone from a premise where my friends advise me to buy a property and in 25 years, I'd have a free house. So within less than two years, having a free house. And in some areas of the UK, you don't even have to wait that long. You'll have a free house in less than six months. So that is why knowing what you should do is so much more um, valuable to your property business than just going out and doing things with, with no formal training or no formal education. The other interesting point is that I think is vital is the psychology of somebody actually investing in property because I didn't stop there I've kept going Uh, yes I had setbacks on the way but I've kept acquiring properties my friends Miles and Joe who told me about property investing uh, are still working so Steve and I don't work as a doctor or a dentist we've been retired for getting on for six years now whereas Miles and Joe are still very much at the coalface doing their physiotherapy doing their medicine and I believe the reason they stopped was because they have four daughters not that having four daughters is any way a break on what you do, but they bought four houses. And I think what they're intending to do is give one house to each okay. child. And they, so they recognize the process. They bought four houses. They didn't stop at two because then they would only have two houses to you know, distribute okay. between four yeah. daughters. They've got to four. So I'm very fascinated by the psychology of investing And I think if anybody's looking to get into property, the main thing is not where you are. It's not how much money you've got. It's not how much time you've got. It's not what career you are in. It's where is your mindset? Because I believe that over eighty percent of success in property is what goes on, you know, the six inches in between your ears—the most important six inches in anybody's body, even the men. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the difference between success and failure in property. Yeah. That's that's just a bit of a, a recap onto how I got going and um, what I was doing effectively was buying houses very much with my hearts not with my head when i first looked at properties i was tending to buy properties that were kind of nice um so houses i could see myself living in as a newly qualified dentist fresh out of dental school i would want to rent a house just like that with my new partner and in that little house we would maybe save up enough money for a deposit to buy a little house just like that And the reality is those type of houses that I was buying were modern homes, Not never bought one that was actually new, but close to new, didn't need a new kitchen, didn't need a new bathroom, there was no way to add value to them, I had to wait for them to go up, there was no space in them to add extra rooms or reconfigure them to pull more money out. So I don't buy those type of houses anymore. The type of houses I buy now are older properties that need things doing to them. So I'm actively looking for things I can refurbish because that's how I can start recycling my money through. So I haven't answered the question, Danny, have I about how somebody would get going? I think- No, but
0: this has been been invaluable. It's (laughs) gold. The
2: thing I would say is, of course, Well, in 2001, when I started, there really wasn't any property education. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have people putting posts on LinkedIn. We didn't have things like Clubhouse. We, we bought our properties mainly by looking at the property pages in the paper when it came out once a week and we called them yes. agents. There's so many more resources to us available now and loads of stuff we can find out. But procrastination or thinking you need to know everything about everything and there's always something new to learn. At the expense of action is, is I think, the big break for many people. And there's always a good reason why you can't do property. So I could have used the reasons being that my husband, Steve, when I first started, was working all the hours God sends as a GP. I was working hard as a dentist, although my hours were you know, more nine to five than his were. We had two youngest children. I had the house to run, the shopping, the cooking, the clean, you know, all this stuff that goes with it. So you could argue that I was effectively a single parent because Steve wasn't there to parent. And it, <laughs> so like, I hope you're not afraid to men head.
0: there, and I hope yeah. that, hey, I, I hope there's no shade to, <laughs> to us men out there. I'm repping for the men over here, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that he didn't want to, dummy. It was just that he couldn't because yeah. he was just he worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. on then in those days it was on call, so he was on call even as a GP. One night in three. Okay. every third night he was on call and every third weekend he was on call and he used to leave the house at seven 15 in the morning. And if he got home before seven 15 at night, that was an early night. Yeah. So, you know, when you've got small kids, the kind of, you might see them a little bit in the morning, you might just kiss them as they get into bed at night, but you're not there to, to so, deal with true. things. Yeah.
1: With so
2: I very much empathize with people that have really busy careers or are juggling family career you know work-life balance the whole stuff is, is really tricky but it shouldn't stop you because the way I look at it is if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got
1: yeah
2: if you don't start in property now because the only really time we can start in property is now or sometime in the future in five years time your life will be effectively the same but you'll just be five years older so at some point, you have to find the time. You have to want enough to make a change. And I'm, I'm going to talk about comfort zones. So one of the reasons people often ask me, why did you do it? Because, you know, maybe not in 2001, but certainly when we left in 2015, we were on big six-figure salaries with our dentistry and doctoring. So I was a private dentist. Steve was a senior partner in a busy dispensing practice. So we had really good good income. What we didn't have was good time. And I think this is important. So our passion now is to travel. We now actively, when we're not bound down by COVID, we actively <laughs> travel our diary. We are traveling one month in three, it's diarized out. We're not in the, either not, we're not at home. We might be somewhere in the UK, Scotland, Ireland, somewhere, but we, we won't be at home or we'll be somewhere else in the world. So that's our passion. When we were working as doctors and dentists, we had good salaries, but we had very tight, constrained holiday times. So we had the money, but we couldn't enjoy it. We couldn't spend it. We couldn't play with it. It was just accumulating, if you like. So I think it's important to recognise that money allows you the freedom to do what you want and do it where you want geographically, but only if you're not bound to a very demanding vocation or career or other commitments at home. So that for us, um, having a property portfolio which replaced our salaries, allowed us much more much more time and geographical freedom I think I've gone off on a tangent there where was mm-hmm. I going with that no no you're good your 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 comfort, comfort, comfort
1: zone you were going to talk about oh comfort, comfort zone <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're I'm loving so, it and we're loving it don't
1: Steve worry and is, is. Um, uh, Anne's training element is just coming out like this is like a <laughs> training room <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, so Steve, the lovely Steve is always fond of telling me that I'm working class, which is true. (laughs) And that Steve is middle class. So this is relevant, I think, because Steve Steve's dad was a headmaster and his mum was a maths teacher um so they were and they had lived in a nice little, not huge but a little nice little four-bedroom detached house in sheffield and um, you know where where steve's dad's school was so going up growing up they were very comfortably off so steve has never had to hustle you know if, he, if, if christmas came around and steve wanted a new bicycle he got a new bicycle you know i didn't get a new bicycle i'm very different so when i was growing up my dad was Um, a lathe turner which is a skilled manual worker at the Woolwich Arsenal and my mum didn't work because in in working class terminology in the 60s and 70s you know the good solid working class man did not want his wife to work she stayed and looked after the kids so money was really tight and we didn't actually own the house we lived in so I believe that because of that I have a a much more hustle you know I'm much more mentality yeah, a much more, you know, let's get on, much more entrepreneurial. I've also got a fear of scarcity. I don't like to feel that I haven't got a certain number of naughts in my bank account. I'm worried about being poor. Mm. So that makes me constantly hustling, constantly wanting to do more. Now, Steve sitting in his comfort zone also wants to protect me because property investing is incredibly simple. So I can train people to do property investing on a, on a four-day course. And I'm pretty confident at the end of that course, they'll be able to go out and just do it. The principles are simple, but it's not always easy. So he wanted to protect me from, you know, the stresses and strains of property. So when, when I was not surrounded by a peer group of people who were interested in property like I was, and when I didn't have somebody to call back on like a mentor or a trainer, all the times there were um, problems in my property business, for instance, I've had a cannabis factory <laughs> i've had a whole house trashed you know i've had all sorts of stuff and i would come home from my cannabis factory debacle you know steve would come in from work i'll be in the corner of the kitchen you know crying rocking sucking my thumb you know this is all bad and steve would say his answer would be we'll just sell the lot we don't need it you know what why are we bothering with this because he was very much trapped in a comfort zone of we've got enough okay. the challenge with that is we didn't actually have enough and that really came to light around 2014 when I went to Progressive Property like, like you both have done and kind of sat in the multiple streams of property income view and people started walking across the stage and I, I thought, wow, there's a whole world out there that I don't know anything about. So then when I came back from that very infused, because of course Steve didn't go because he's not into property, yeah, I started yeah. talking to him about that, and I said, look, I think, Steve, we're really missing a trick. I think we've got this property portfolio, the certain number of houses, we can actually start to you know, use that as a base at, on steroids, if you like, using the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance strategy and the world's our oyster. And around that time, we were sitting in bed one Sunday morning with a cup of tea. And Steve said to me, he was really struggling a little bit at work. Because when you're a GP, anybody that's medical or listening in with a GP will understand what, when I say that being a GP is an incredibly stressful job. You're effectively replacing what might have been thought something like the parish priest years ago. People come in and they're poorly. <laughs> they might be dying, their child might be dying, they might have depression, they might have stress, they might have anxiety, and they, they rightly offload that onto the GP's shoulders. Now, that's okay maybe for two years, three years, five years. When you're 30 years in the job and every day when you go to work, you're expected to support people through this and the pressures on the job, the long hours, that can really start to take its toll. So Steve said to me, Med- medicine is wonderful. There's just too much of it. And i'm feeling the strain so that's when i kind of had a bit of an epiphany i thought let's get steve to the point where instead of working full-time we can potentially get into part-time by replacing i will do everything in my power to replace that amount of salary that it would take to get in part-time with income from property so that was my catalyst to get going because when you're comfortable you need something you need a catalyst to make you want to do it so if you're listening into the podcast and you are kind of sort of thinking about getting into property but you're very comfortable or you love your job then there may not be the incentive to go out and do it because I truly believe and I've trained many people to do it that you need you do need between five to eight hours each and every week to build a successful property business you need to find that from somewhere and there's always something else that can take precedence over that you know When we're eventually allowed out to lockdown, we're all going to want to see our friends, we're going to go to the pub, we're going to want to go to the cinema, to gigs, we're going to want to do things. And there may have to be some sacrifice in the short term where you are focusing, if you've got a full time job or a very busy career, on building a property business in your leisure time. So I think there is a sacrifice to make, but the the reward is so much greater because I work with people, many people that I have trained who are actually seeing their children grow up And I've got a story about that, which really hits home to me because a few of the people that I've trained have got very young children. And one of their joys is to be able to take their children to school in the morning and pick them up at night and to be there for sports days and concerts and all the other important things that go on. So when my daughter was very young, she went to a childminder because I erroneously thought that it'd be better for her to have a one-on-one relationship with a childminder rather than go to a nursing environment with lots of carers. So I made that, if you like, silly call. I sent her to a childminder. And when I went to pick her up, when she was just about 11 months old one Friday afternoon, the childminder met me at the door with my daughter in her arms, and she handed her to me. And as she handed her to me, she said, oh, she's been walking today. And if anybody listening is in childcare or is indeed a childminder, please don't ever say that to a parent because – Sam had not been walking prior to that. She'd obviously walked for the first time in the childminder's house. Now, what she could have done and what I would hopefully have done in a similar situation is allowed me to take my daughter home. And that very weekend, if she started walking on a Friday, she had no point at some point in the weekend, Friday night, night, Saturday or Sunday, she would have got up and toddled to her mummy or her daddy and we would have had the joy of that moment. I never forgot that. And then when I started training people to get involved in property, because I didn't get really, I didn't quit until my children effectively were grown up, but I missed those seminal moments in their childhood. And I think what property can do for you is it allows you to be there for the important events, to spend quality time with those that you love. So that is my one regret in property that I didn't start sooner. And I'm sure Bim and Dami will endorse this when I say that I don't know anybody that is in property who wish they'd started later. We all wish we'd started sooner. (laughs) Do you agree? Yes, I agree, totally. It's a wonderful place to be. There are some sacrifices to make, but it's not that bad. Mm. when none of us have had to I don't know get up at six o'clock in the morning to walk like they have to do in some parts of the world you know five miles to get some dirty water to be able to drink you know we're not suffering It's just a little bit of reprioritizing of time to get involved in property so that's what I believe you know um, property is is a great place for everybody to be and we should all have some in our life if only to leave a legacy the other thing about property is it's not like a pension. So I was lucky enough to have an NHS pension, as was my husband, Steve. Now, when our NH, when we die, one of us will die first. When one of us dies, oh, <laughs> unless, we, unless we have a suicide pact and die at <laughs> the same time. When we die, what will happen is our NHS pension will pass to the spouse, but only a half of what it was given to us. So it becomes half. And when the second person dies, that pension just disappears. The really cool thing about property is when you pass away, your property does not die with you. It's just still there. We don't drive down the street and see houses vaporising left, right and centre. So, property is a great vehicle, but can be left as a legacy for generations and generations and generations to come. I was lucky enough to persuade my mum and dad to get involved in property investing. And when they um, sold their house, they sold their house to move to my, one of my, the annex on one of my sister's house when my dad became infirm. They used that money to invest in little properties. And when those when those when they passed away, my mum eventually passed away. Those properties passed to my sister and to myself. Whereas the, her pension would have, and she didn't really have a pension. Remember, because if you remember from earlier, I said my mum didn't work. So this is really cool. You can leave a legacy and create generational wealth with property as well. So. I've gone off on a long tangent, Dan. Is there anything oh, I've like
0: You, you you've dropped so many principles. I'm just going to recap some of them because I was taking notes as you were talking. You talked about taking action. You mentioned something where you you didn't say it, but effectively is what you did. You created money out of nothing. So yeah. you had money sitting there, which ordinarily you you didn't realize at the time. Yes. But then you know through the conversation with your friends, you spoke to your independent financial advisor and. Just like that, you created some money to to go and invest with. You mentioned something about, it. you know, it's not always easy. That's something that I feel people feel some maybe I don't know whether it's, you know, trainers do a bad job or companies do a bad job. But it's almost like, you know, this is an easy thing. I know you said it's not hard. But you do need some, you know, you do need some grit and determination because yeah. Yeah. a lot of times people are just looking for something that's easy, something that's going to happen like today. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, the the, the thing they're going to come back with is, well, it doesn't work. Well, mm-hmm. all those things you taught me, Anne, it's rubbish because I tried it and it doesn't work. But you need to give it time. You need the consistency. and You need that, you know, that determination. So that's something else you mentioned. You mentioned Legacy something that you know we always talk about being able to um mm-hmm. being able to pass on you know um your your, your you know fruit properties is is essentially a vehicle that you can leave a legacy with so just amazing like the breadth of stuff you uh, you touched on you touched on time principles so we know that there are different there are different freedoms that we have and time is one of them and you mm-hmm. mentioned about you know being able to travel now that you've you know you've exited your 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 9 to 5 in effect. So yeah, just just amazing Bim. I I'll let you uh cuz I haven't let you have a <laughs> have a question yet so go for and it. And
1: you are definitely on fire like <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. Like I just love all the different things you touched on. It was so powerful. And you could tell I can tell you a trailer like anyone listens like yeah, she's she was on fire. But you know one of the things that really hit me was when you were talking about how comfortable you and your husband were, and you know you you were in a good salary job you know you were okay you were doing well not just okay actually (laughs) you were doing well but then you realized that actually with all of that money you didn't have the time to play with the money you didn't have the time to spend the money the way that you would have wanted to and do you think I I even kind of thought about the fact that now or in the last few the last year with the with the coronavirus the people in medicine are even more you know, like you can't go on holiday, you literally had to be at work, you know, because such an important job. And, you know, a lot of people find themselves there. I think sometimes people think it's just about the money. Well, actually, it's not really the money, it's the freedom that the money gives you, is the freedom that the wealth gives you. It's amazing. I I mean, for me, I started, so I've been investing in property quite a while as well. But again, I was doing it alongside my full-time job. And just three years ago, I gave up my job. And at the time, I was an investment, I worked in investment banking. I worked for Deutsche Bank as a market risk analyst. I was a really good job with a six-figure income as well. But I have four children as well. So I knew that there was no way I was going to have the kind of time that i wanted to have for these kids if i carried on within that job it was just impossible I, you know i worked in a very fast-paced environment lots of deliverables projects coming right left and center i had children that were quite young needed their mommy and it's all sorts of activities at school like there's sorry there's only so many time i can say to my boss sorry can I do half day today? Or can I go early today? Or can I come in later today? Or can I drop the kids? Like it was, it was, and you know, well, we live in London, or I live in the outskirts of London, where everyone had their job in London, in the city of London, you know, two hours on the train. It was just not gonna work so you know the the freedom that i feel now um that you feel now that we talk about is real just having the freedom to do the things that you really want to do things that you're very passionate about you know that that's and we can never overemphasize that one benefit it's amazing it's amazing you know just like you said as well you know you You know, your kids, you you left when your kids got a bit older and you wish you could have done it earlier. And, you know, I thankfully my kids are still very young. I mean, my oldest is 10 and my youngest is two. So I've had kind of the benefit of at least being there for them. But one thing that you said that I really want to pull out is every single person that is in properties always wish they started earlier. And that is so true. That is so, like, literally, it's so true. It, it is so beautiful that it's like, you know, you you go into something, you realize, that, oh, my God, it's like a light bulb, like bolt, light bulb moment going on. You think, oh, my God, I wish I knew this five years ago. I could have done so much more. It's amazing. So thank you for, you know, for pulling that out and for sharing that because, it's, it's, it's amazing. And just like Jamie said, I also like the fact that you said, it's simple. Everybody should do it because it's simple. It's almost like, you know, you're buying a house. Even people that are not investors, so to speak, can buy a, a property. All you need really, it's a good job, a good credit and the ability to pay back your mortgage. You can buy a house, you know, so everyone can do it, but it's not easy, you know, but you have to be determined. You have to put in the work. You have to, you know, be diligent, you know, so it's, Thank you so much for putting you. You literally just like all the questions that we had that we wanted to ask you. You answered everything. <laughs> all it was—it's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: So, 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 Anne. So, you, you're you're known, or uh, we came to know you as the Queen of BRR. Uh, yeah. I think that's kind of your progressive moniker, right? So, yeah. BRR today—is it still a viable property strategy, and why? You know, On one I why this question. Because, you know, it, with the way the market is right now, the market is super, super hot in terms mm. of, uh, you know, everybody's, it seems, it seems everybody is buying. You go and look at a property, there's already been 15 views, there's mm-hmm. already been 12 offers. And of course, I guess these are more online strategies. So maybe, you you know, you focus more offline strategies, direct campaigns and things like that. But is BRR today effectively? Is it still a strategy? Are you still able to, like you said, buy a house, refurbish it, rent it out and leave 1600 in that house today? Like, is that something you can still do?
2: Well, I haven't done it in the last six months and the reason being is because i'm keeping i've actively taken a step back because i'm looking now to buy portfolios um so i believe it is still possible i think the deals are less if you're asking have i specifically done one that i can talk you through the short answer the truthful answer is no but that's because i've purposely not done that because what i'm looking to do is now by portfolios from tired, stroke, distressed landlords.
0: Sure.
2: My plan now is to use the power of Section 24, or Clause 24, which I will explain for those listening in who, who don't know what that is. So, over the four year period ending in April 2021. So going back four years until April 2021, George Osborne, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced in the summer budget of July 2015 that he was going to remove the mortgage interest, the ability of landlords who own properties in their own name to offset their mortgage payments against their rental income. And this has been phased in, and and if if you like, it's fully phased in or will be fully phased in in April 2021. So from that point onwards, no landlord who owns a property in their own name can offset their mortgage interest payments against their rental income. Instead, they will get what's called a 20% tax credit. But the the challenge is that that 20% tax credit, of course, is still a big blow if you're a higher or additional rate taxpayer. And even if you're a basic rate taxpayer, because the the tax – banding is calculated before the 20% tax credit is added back in, it means it's pushing many landlords into the 40 or 45% tax bracket. So it's a massive blow to landlords. So for many accidental landlords, so the, I think 56% of landlords in the UK own one property. Hmm. So, and only 1% of landlords in the UK own 10 or more properties. So for uh, many landlords in the UK own properties because they are effectively accidental landlords. They kind of got one. They've got one because maybe it was their family home and they moved to a different geographical area and decided to rent it out. Or they bought it at the height of the financial, you know, before the financial markets collapsed in 2007. So they had still potentially almost in negative equity with it. So they've had to hang on to it. Now, or they just bought it, not with not any clear plan and it's quite an expensive property which has a high um, mortgage payment on it so it's kind of not as profitable as the ones that we would normally buy if we were investors and those landlords are really feeling the pain so For those landlords, I'm going to um, letting agents because letting agents tend to know better than estate agents. So many landlords Mm. who have got their properties with letting agents are are trapped in this situation. And the letting agents know who those landlords are. They'll know who maybe can't afford to do their property up because we have new EPC, Energy Performance Certificate, um, requirements coming in. They might not have the funds to bring them up to standard. They might, not have, they might find the properties are not profitable anymore because of Section 24. So I think a good play for anybody listening in is maybe to not go to the estate agents because as Dan highlighted at the moment, the market is red hot. And we just had the announcement in the budget very recently, we, we're talking in May 2021, that there's going to be um, 95% mortgages available for first-time buyers on second-hand homes, not just the whole help-to-buy scheme previously, which was just for new builds. So there may be a a smaller supply of cheaper rental stock or properties that we can do BRR coming onto the market. So at the lower end of the market, I think there is pressure. I think if we bypass estate agents to go to letting agents, and that's exactly what I would be doing now if I wasn't looking to buy bigger portfolios, I would be looking to go to the letting agents to source properties and explaining that you're going to be able to do the refurb. You can also tell the letting agent, hopefully truthfully, that you're going to put the, the keep the property with them. So when the property is bought, bearing in mind, the letting agent will usually have signed a contract with the landlord or the landlord has signed a contract with the letting agent saying that if the letting agent sells the property, they're going to be due a fee for that. So a typical type of estate agency fee for that. So I think a great plan It's working well with um, some of the people I'm helping at the moment is to not really consider using estate agents as such, but go to letting agents and explaining that what you're looking to do. You're going to be a, a significant player in that particular area and you're looking to help landlords. That's one thing. The other thing is a direct mail campaign where you basically go get somebody, doesn't have to be you, who's going to go through right move or other search engines, property search engines to identify properties that have been on the market for a while, because there are still people whose properties are sticking on the market, not as many as there were, but there are, and then sending them a direct mail. So finding out the address of the property and sending them a direct mail it works really well for properties that have been on the market for 90 days or more, because that's typically the time when the, um, Vendor is out of contract with the estate agency. Agents, yeah. yeah, you're not stepping on the estate agency's toes. I would always say that if you agree, Dean, in less than 90 days, you should make sure that the estate agent gets paid because an estate agent can steal. When we are going into recession, stroke, depression, which is going to happen, I think what's happened with the stamp duty holiday, which we haven't touched on, we've had a stamp duty holiday at the moment with these new 95% mortgages. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are kicking the can down the road. Yeah, I was saying last year that I thought there was going to be house price correction, and there hasn't been. So I'm wrong. But I think that's partly because the government has done all sorts of things. They are printing money. Yeah,
1: Apparently,
2: they printed a trillion pounds. A trillion pounds is awful. Frightening.
0: Wow. Frightening.
2: frightening. I want a piece of that though. <laughs> trillion, yeah, a, trillion is a huge amount of yeah. numbers. Apparently, it takes 11 days to count down um, a million seconds. This is a stat that I, I often use. And it takes 31,700 years to count down a trillion seconds. So it's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a number you, I cannot really conceive of. So that's obviously going to have an effect um, on, on the economy. And already a million people have lost their jobs. So while the highest prices might be buoyant, there's always within that, there are always people who, for whatever reason, do need to sell. There's always people that need to sell in a rising market, in a falling market, there's more people that need to sell. There's going to be repossessions, I, I'm sad to say. So I think auctions are going to be a great place as this all starts to kick in moving forward. So I think right this second, with the euphoria of the stamp duty holiday, with the big stimulus into the market, with the 95% mortgages, finding deals is more challenging. But what we should all be doing is focusing on the very important things. The very important things to do are always viewings, of, viewings office finance. My three key metrics are viewings, office finance, viewings, office finance. So doing lots of viewings, building relationships with the estate agents. So I have done um, a couple of viewings now in the last week with a, a new estate agency, slightly different um, area that I'm moving into. It's still very close to me, but it's not one of my key goldmine areas. The guy that I'm chatting to who's done the viewings with me is now going out to revisit some people who were selling portfolios last year. He didn't believe they sold them. And that's come about because I'm on viewings with him and I'm talking to him. Now, of course, these people may not decide to sell their portfolios this minute, but who knows where their business might be in three months time, in four months time, in five months time. So it's about building the relationships so doing lots of viewings building relationships with estate agents because when the property market calls at the moment, of course, they can sell a house to anybody, anybody with a pulse, you know, they can, there's no pressure on it. But if you're constantly there in their mindset, if you're building yeah. those relationships with them, when the market starts to call, then they will be coming to you with the deals. Yeah. So lots of viewings, making lots of offers, cheeky offers, even if property buyers and you're not getting the offers accepted, agents love you to make cheeky offers because estate agencies have targets, they have tar- viewings targets, they have offers targets. So the more offers they get, the better it looks on their sales sheets and their KPIs for the branch. So they do love that. So never be afraid to make a cheeky offer. And raising finance is a key metric that I think we've not really touched on. Building relationships with investors so that when there are deals, you've got the funds ready to go. So. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody in the UK, that's why we're listening to this po- podcast, everybody in the UK is interested in property. We just all are. We love it. Even if we're not already in property, we love mm-hmm. property. Yeah. The average investor in the UK is earning literally the square root of nothing on their money in the bank. With the pinching of a trillion, pr- trillion pounds through the pandemic, there's going to be a huge inflationary effect. So, that if you're earning, I think in my current account, because I've got some money waiting to buy these portfolios, it's only 0.01% a year. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not going it could
0: soon, ne- soon be negative.
2: Yeah, it's negative because inflation's running at who knows what. I mean, they're telling us 3%, but it's probably running at you know, 8%. So, your money is being eroded all the time. Investors are desperate to put their money into something. So if you're talking to investors, explaining either what you're doing in property or what potentially you can do in property, Mm -hmm. building that um, database of investors so that when you have an opportunity, you're poised and ready to go. I think these are the things we should absolutely be doing now. So my key things to do now are get yourself educated, trained, supported, viewings, offers, finance. Mm -hmm. And that that is setting you up so you can pounce. When you're ready,
0: there we have it from mm. the queen herself.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Great, stuff. that's amazing. So,
1: um, I think the question that we typically ask to round off is, yeah. and I think in the, I'm going to ask anyway, but I think Anne's probably touched on it briefly. But we just we will ask anyway. So the question that we tend to ask our guests when they do come
2: is, "What does property mean to you?" For me, I think the real thing is. Taking out freedom and choice is for me, it's made me feel very secure because mm. I have, we didn't have much money growing up and I like to feel safe. So some, it's going to sound counterintuitive because if you're listening to this podcast, and you think, oh, it's risky to get into property. That might sound odd, but I say it's made me secure. I believe property is safe as houses. I believe if you know what you're doing in property, you kind of cannot fail. So it's given me significant financial security. It's a portfolio, I think now it's worth around 9.7 million. It chunks out net, net before tax around 25,000 pounds a month. I can't spend that. You know, I'm not an extravagant person. And that just makes me calm. I sleep very well at night. I feel, <laughs> I feel secure. I think i have a very calm too. <laughs> it's it's it probably the wrong answer, but because, because I was um, a child that we had money worries, we had money concerns, we were scraping by. It, it's just given me that wonderful freedom that I don't have those money cares or money worries. So if you're anybody in the room listening, not in the room, but listening to the podcast mm-hmm. and you have money worries, I think property... Is, is a way to kind of remove that stress from your life. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's allowed me the freedom to live in a beautiful house, to live in a lovely part of the world, to spend my time doing exactly what I want. I can wake up every morning and think, what shall I do today? Yes, of course, I choose to do certain things. So I've chosen to come on the podcast. And I do that because I, I want everybody to, to recognise or to learn that there is huge benefits to being involved in property and you can do it with hardly any time commitment really and certainly if you use other people's money which is the way to go and I have I've raised hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of other people's money and given them a great return on it I've also lent out of my own money over a million pounds and had that returned to me so I think working with other people is a great thing in property you find your tribe when I did do- To you all on my own for the first 13 years because Steve's not really into it. I was the freak, I was the strange one. And now I'm in an environment where other people get my passion. So that's quite a nice place to be. So it's given me freedom, choice, friendship, um, security. um, And I'm I'm going to be living a, a great legacy for my kids. So I think it's given me all those things and more. And it's allowed me to grow as a person. It's allowed me to engage more in things like personal development Um, because when you're just jumping up every morning you know frantically getting the kids ready for school going off doing your job coming home and you know doing all the chores and then collapsing on the sofa at 10 o'clock falling asleep getting up the next morning and repeating the thing you don't wake up every morning and think what shall I do with my day or how can I improve myself today or what can I do to give back to the world today you are very much constrained by you know what you have to do rather than what you might want to do.
1: So yeah that's amazing wow. amazing, amazing. Awesome. you know what i want to touch on i want to touch on two things actually so no that's amazing um one of the things that you said and i don't hear that so much i know it, um, is the, the personal development you realize i mean i suppose in property you're constantly learning Constantly reading, constantly talking, constantly engaging with people—you learn so much, you know. And I found that, you know, because you keep doing, we keep doing different, you know, different strategies. Every time, every time you go and do a deal, you know, even though it's simple, even though you it's safe, it's also that element of risk. But the fact that you get up and do it is, you know, you build courage, you build tenacity, you build the ability to do bigger deals. Property is very addictive as well. <laughs> <laughs> i find it to be so addictive i love that i love that personal development angle that you've just brought on it's so true so powerful uh, i don't remember what the second one is now i had it just now <laughs> it's gone off my head but no thank you but you know personal development
2: amazing i love that i love that cool
0: so where can people find you and and get in touch if they wanted to reach out to you
2: okay so you can find me on facebook and Holton. it's Anne with an e and it's h-o-u-l-t-o-n I'm on LinkedIn too. I'm on Clubhouse. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: the new um, angle. <laughs>
2: um, I'm not really on. Well, I am on Instagram as well. Uh, it's Anne Holton, the property dentist. But it's so funny. Some one of my co-co um, trainers at Progressive the other day actually sent me a WhatsApp message saying nearly a thousand followers on Instagram and no posts. And no it posts. Must be a record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not very big on social media but yeah you can find me on on any of those platforms really audio is my thing because I'm older I like to talk as you probably can tell so you can find me on Clubhouse but I, I'm not very active on the other social media sites but if anybody wants to reach out to me out to me on private message with any questions I'm very happy to help
0: Awesome, great. So I think we can bring the um, podcast to a close. We just want to say thank you, Anne, for coming on. It's been mm-hmm. a it real me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy listening back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to uh, enjoy listening back to this one. Uh, and um, of course, if you have enjoyed it and if you have taken something away, then do share, do um, subscribe, and leave us a comment. Leave Anne a comment, and um, you know, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. So um, until next time. Say ciao for now.
1: Bye. Bye.